welcome to the Wow Community Jokes. So welcome to our series, All Things New. As we lean into and explore how Jesus is at work making all things new. He is redeeming, he is renewing, reconciling, and restoring all things everywhere. And yes, despite our current restrictions here in Ontario, I believe God, through his son Jesus, is making all things new. And the best part is that we get to be part of it. Last week, we explored opportunities and what opportunities are in front of us. Rather than just focusing on, on the restrictions and what we can't do, we leaned into what does God have before us and what do we get to do? What can we do during this time? But tonight I want to tackle a more difficult yet very real topic which comes out of opportunities and possibilities. And that is the topic of doubt. When we're sitting there thinking, ah, oh, I'm just not sure. You see, it can be exciting to take our first steps on a new journey, a new job, a new relationship, a new church, or a new project to tackle poverty within your community. But in my experience, it doesn't take very long before you get hit with a dose of doubt. And you're thinking, what have I done? Can, can I actually do this? Is God in this? Is God present with us? You see, all things new, it might sound great theoretically. Yeah, all things new, God's at work making all things new. But how many of us genuinely believe that? Or when you hear that, do you automatically begin doubting? Is he making all things new? Because these past two years doesn't feel like that. You might be thinking, it doesn't seem like anything new is happening because it feels like we're still stuck inside the movie Groundhog Day and it's this endless repeat of day after day after day and it's just the same day that we're living and we're trying new things with our kids and families. And man, <laughs> I was talking with Kudzi the other day and he even just shared, he's like, I don't know too much to tell you when I asked him, hey, what's new? He's like, not a whole lot. I'm like, yeah, that, that's actually true. My mother-in-law joked with me and she said, I should have called our series, same old, same old, <laughs> because that is what it feels like. And wow, there is some truth to that. So let's dig into this topic of doubt and how do we deal with doubt well? Because you see, it doesn't work to simply say, don't doubt. Because automatically, you're focused on doubt. You're focused on the questions. It's almost as if I tell you, don't think of a purple elephant. What are you thinking about? Your mind automatically goes to the purple elephant that you're trying not to think about. So rather than trying to white knuckle things and trying to convince yourself not to doubt, don't doubt, don't doubt, don't doubt, let's actually dig into scripture and let's name our doubts. Let's articulate them, voice them, and lay them out before God. As author Emily P. Freeman writes, doubt is a form of lament, grieving what we believed to be true, 
questioning whether or not our beliefs can be trusted. So if doubt is a form of lament, what better book to look at than the book of Lamentations? I'll be reading from the message translation, but grab your Bible or open your Bible app, whatever you have with you. If you need a Bible on your phone, go to the bi uh, go to bible.com slash app. It will download one right to your device. But read along with me uh, in the book of Lamentations. Hold me accountable. Make sure that what I'm reading is coming from and aligning with what you're reading. You can find it in the Old Testament right after the book of Jeremiah. And while we don't know the author of this book particularly and for sure, traditionally it's been attributed to the prophet Jeremiah. So let's go with that for this evening and let's listen for what God wants to say to us through Jeremiah in Lamentations chapter 3. I'm the man who has seen trouble, trouble coming from the lash of God's anger. He took me by the hand and walked me into pitch black darkness. Yes, he's given me the back of his hand over and over and over again. He turned me into a scarecrow of skin and bones, then broke the bones. He hemmed me in, ganged up on me, poured on the trouble and hard times. He locked me up in deep darkness, like a corpse nailed inside a coffin. He shuts me in so I'll never get out, manacles my hands, shackles my feet. Even when I cry out and plead for help, he locks up my prayers and throws away the key. He sets up blockades with quarried limestone. He's got me cornered. He's a prowling bear tracking me down, a lion in hiding, ready to pounce. He knocked me from the path and ripped me to pieces. When he finished, there was nothing left of me. He took out his bow and arrows and used me for target practice. He shot me in the stomach with arrows from his quiver. Everyone took me for a joke, made me the butt of their mocking ballads. He forced rotten, stinking food down my throat, bloated me with vile drinks. He ground my face into the gravel. He pounded me into the mud. I gave up on life altogether. I've forgotten what the good life is like. I said to myself, this is it. I'm finished. God is a lost cause. Whew. Pretty dark, isn't it? <laughs> this guy is at the end of his rope. He is hopeless. He is hurt. He is angry. He's resentful. But what I appreciate is that we're not being given a facade. Or we're not being given these simple platitudes. He's letting us in on the depth of his despair, what he's truly feeling. He's just laying it out there. And let's be honest, doesn't it feel good sometimes when we discover that someone else is struggling too? I think when we're struggling, we often keep it to ourselves and we begin believing that we're the only one struggling. But then to hear a friend say, this is hard, I'm done. I don't know if I can take it anymore. You suddenly realize, oh, I'm not alone. It's like a, a fresh a breath of fresh air. And you discover a companion on the journey. So while this is definitely not the most encouraging passage of, of scripture, there's still something oddly encouraging about it. But as we're going to see, stopping here is insufficient. It's not enough to simply know that someone else is struggling too. 
So Jeremiah continues. I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one thing I remember and remembering I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness? I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from God. It's a good thing when you're young to stick it out through the hard times, when life is heavy and hard to take. Go off by yourself, enter the silence, bow in prayer. Don't ask questions, wait for hope to appear. Don't run from trouble, take it full face. The worst is never the worst. Why? Because the master won't ever walk out and fail to return. If he works severely, he also works tenderly. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. I love how Jeremiah doesn't stop at God is a lost cause. Instead, he names how he's feeling. He lays it all out on the table, but then he pushes through how he's feeling and he remembers the goodness of God. He's not offering us a quick fix. He's not saying, hey, there's, there's three steps to becoming an optimist. Instead, what Jeremiah says is, life's hard. It's not easy. I don't get how it works. But here's what I do know. That God won't ever walk out and fail to return. His love hasn't run out. His stockpiles of loyal love are are immense. God is at work making all things new. Lives, hearts, minds, souls. But let me ask, do you know this to be true? And I'm asking it this way intentionally, because it's one thing to believe this, put up your hand, say the prayer, check off the checkbox, but it's another thing to know it. A belief is an idea, a conviction, a strongly held opinion that may or may not be universally true. Beliefs are faith-based assumptions which may be subject to change. Believing is about what we think, whereas knowing is about our experience. Have you ever wondered why we say, oh, I can't believe it? when something extremely good happens, is because what we're experiencing isn't quite aligning with our beliefs. Beliefs that might say, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not lucky enough. Things like this don't happen to me. Like, what the heck? You see, it's one thing to believe, but it's another thing to know. We say we believe things, we hold certain beliefs, but it doesn't necessarily mean we have a deep transformational knowledge of it. James 2.19 says, you believe that there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that. Knowing is different. 
knowing is not an idea, it's an experience. If someone pinches me, well, I don't believe they pinched me. I, I know it. I experienced it. It doesn't reside in my head. It's in my body. No debate. And I bring this up because I believe doubt sneaks into our lives when our beliefs don't match our experiences. And it forces us to reevaluate our beliefs. And that's when all of a sudden doubt starts coming in and you're like, wait a second. And you're trying to find your footing. For example, I believed COVID-19 would last a few months at most and then whoosh, be over with. Yet, here we are. Now, this can be an unnerving process depending on how deeply held your belief is. Mainly because we have become very dependent on our beliefs and our longing for certainty. But I believe it's better to know than to merely believe. Now, I know I'm using these as kind of opposites, and it, it's more of a both and than it is an either or. There's this dynamic relationship between the two, but what I mean is that it's better to move from merely thinking about God in the right ways to experiencing God deeply and directly. And this is what I love about Jeremiah's lament. That this is not a man who's concerned about right thinking. He just lays bare his feelings. He makes it known. But this is a man who knows and has experienced the love of God. And despite everything he's feeling, everything that he just laid out, he says, I'm sticking with God. He's all I've got. Friends, Jesus wants us to know him, not just believe him, not just say the prayer. Yeah, I believe that guy. Sounds good. I do the church thing. He wants us to know him intimately and deeply. And that's why here at the well, our mission is to make Jesus known. We want you to experience God's love more than just thinking rightly about it. Do you have a deep intimate relationship with with Jesus. But remember, what we believe and what we know are in this dynamic relationship. They shape us and what we assume to be possible. In John chapter 3, there was a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews named Nicodemus, and he comes to Jesus one night so no one would notice. And he said, Rabbi, we believe that you're a teacher that has come from God. No one could perform the signs you do unless God were with him. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So here's this religious leader coming to Jesus in the middle of the night with his doubts and his questions, and he's trying to get his head around how his beliefs and his experiences are no longer aligning. To which Jesus simply responds, there's a new way of knowing God. It's not about being born into the right family. It's not merely about knowing and doing the right things. It's about knowing Jesus. It's about trusting Jesus, placing your faith in Jesus. It's about being born again into this new life that Jesus offers. 
God is at work making all things new. Do you know this to be true? So where do we go from here? Well, I assume many of us know what it's like to sing a worship song and just belt it out because things are going good. God is present. Perhaps you're on cloud nine and you're like, yes, yes, God. But have you ever been at church and the song that everyone else around you is belting out, you just cannot possibly say out loud because there's this deep disconnect. It's like, yeah, not those words. For me, it was during a song called, It Is Well With My Soul. And I remember being in this rough place. My mind was filled with doubt. My heart was so distant from God. And I was genuinely questioning if he even loved me. I was genuinely questioning if this whole thing was even real. I had left Bible college. I, I was just kind of trying to make sense of things I had always believed with this, these new experiences. And to sing, it is well, it is well with my soul, just felt fake, just very inauthentic. But do you know the backstory of that song? It was written by a man named Horatio Spafford, and this man's four-year-old son had died. And then in 1871, the Great Chicago Fire ruined him financially. He had been a successful lawyer and had significant property in Chicago. And then in 1873, he sent his family to England and planned to meet up with them later. But their ship sank. He lost all four of his daughters. Only his wife survived. Yet... As Spafford traveled to meet his grieving wife, he was inspired to write these words to this song. It is well with my soul. As his ship passed near where his daughters had died. For this man to have penned these words, he must have known God deeply and intimately. So let me encourage you, wherever you're at today, whether you feel like you know him that well or not, if we wait to sing until we fully believe and know deep intimacy we, with God, we may never open our mouths again. The truth is borrowing the words of others and saying them out loud can be a spiritual act of worship. Sometimes we just don't have the strength on our own to say the words like this man did. But we can sing and express his words as a spiritual act of worship and to remind ourselves that God is at work. So whether it's a worship song, a hymn, a lament from the Bible, or a prayer from a pastor, when we're battling a season of doubt and we can't find our own words, may we lean on each other and borrow from one another instead. 
May the words of Jeremiah remind you to be honest about your hopelessness and your doubts. Lay it before God. Share it with a trusted friend or pastor. And then let people care for you. You're not alone. We are here with you. So rather than leaning into self-care and self-help, why not try community care? Let's be the church for one another. Let's show up and let's reach out when we need help. And last but not least, lean into Jesus. Jeremiah says, when life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself, enter the silence, and bow in prayer. Allow his love to wash over you. And I know when you're in these difficult seasons, it's easier said than done. You might be thinking, if God really loved me, he'd heal my disease. If God really loved me, he would have never allowed me to lose my job. If God really loved me, he'd bring my spouse back. If God really loved me, I'd be healthy, wealthy, and I'd be problem-free. That's not the proof of God's love. The proof of God's love is that while we were still sinners, love came down. Jesus came to this earth. That's what we just celebrated this past Christmas. That Jesus came to this earth to reveal his love for us, to demonstrate his love for us, to prove his love for us. And he tells us to remember his love for us. Man, if we were in person right now, I would invite us to participate in communion. I'd say, come forward. But the funny thing is, this past week, I, I actually feel like I've been having communion with each of you. You see, when schools went online, we needed an extra desk in this house. So I still had our communion table from our Christmas Eve service. So I brought it into my room and I'm currently using it as my office desk. And here's what I love about it. Every day when I sit down at this table, I'm reminded of how through Jesus, he has brought us together. I'll sit there and I'll just lean back in my chair and I'll actually picture you sitting there with me. And I'll have memories of when we used to walk up to the table and I would see you go forward. And there was just this coming together around the person of Christ and just sitting here each, each day this week at this table has just encouraged me so much and reminded me that God is at work making all things new. Your heart, your life, my heart, my life, this community, he is transforming all things. He's redeeming, renewing, reconciling, and restoring all things everywhere. Do you know that? Friends, this isn't just something to believe. Jesus' love is a love to be known and experienced. So do you know Jesus? Do you have that personal relationship with him? If you don't, I'd love for you to know him tonight. To start your relationship with him tonight. You can do that by simply praying and asking him to come into your heart. If you want some assistance or someone to guide you, reach out to me. You have my email, Kevin at the Well Binbrook. You have my cell phone, 905-518-0168. And for those of us who do know Jesus, well, are you making Jesus known? How can you reveal Emmanuel? to people who desperately need to know that they are not alone.
What opportunities are before you? What is one way this week that we can get to know Jesus or make Jesus known? Maybe you need to take your next step of baptism. Say, I need to make this public. Maybe you need to share your testimony. Share the love of Jesus with a neighbor or a friend. Perhaps it's just an act of kindness. But what is one way this week you can make Jesus known? Let's close in prayer and then continue to worship in song. Heavenly Father, God, we are in a difficult season. Life is not easy. Life is hard. And many of us are just filled with questions and doubts. Not just about you, but just everything going on in our world, in our communities, and even in our families. God, give us the wisdom and the courage to just lay it all before you. Help us articulate the questions that we have, the frustrations, the feelings. But then, God, help us lean into you and remember your goodness, your faithfulness, and your love. God, you are the true king of the world. And we want to make you the true king of our lives. We surrender to your will. May your will be done here in Binbrook, here in our homes, as it is in heaven. Help us to know you better. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.